Hi everyone, welcome to the 10th episode of the Players Lounge, the tennis podcast that focuses on the mental aspect of the game. My name is Jennifer Megan, I am a former professional tennis player, and I launched this podcast because I wanted to create a space in which tennis players could find tools and concrete solutions in order to improve their mental game so they can reach their full potential. This week, Rafael Nadal announced that he will not be defending his US Open title and he also said that he might not play at the French Open if the sanitary conditions were not good enough. For that 10th episode, I thought that it would be interesting to take a closer look at Rafael Nadal's mental persona. I've already profiled the other two members of the big three, Novak Djokovic and Roger Federer. By the way, if you, had, if you didn't have the chance to download and listen to this episode, don't hesitate to do so. Yesterday was Roger Federer's birthday, so it would be a great way to pay him homage in that special weekend. And it will also be a great way to help me increase my downloads. Let's keep it real. But back to Rafa. Like I said, I wanted to profile this incredible champion because since he's been on tour, there is something that I find amazing. It's this difference between Rafael Nadal, the shy, introverted guy who comes from an island in Mallorca and who seems to be quite shy, and that alter ego that he managed to unlock, Rafa, the gladiator, who's been electrifying the stadiums all over the world for almost 20 years. And that's why in today's episode, I want to discuss alter egos in sport and how creating an alter ego or sports persona can really help you to transcend your identity and to reach your goals and full potential. So let's get started. What's an alter ego? It's defined as other I. But more specifically, it means alternative self, which is believed to be distinct from a, no from a person's normal or true original personality. And when it comes to alter ego, there is a story that I like to say that I've, um, when I've witnessed it, I was, uh, I was laughing. It was back in 2008 at the French Open. This year, for those who remember, Rafa was so dominant that in the final, he completely destroyed Federer. It was uh, 6-1, 6-3, 6-0. I mean, when you see this type of score, it looks more like a f first round at French Open. And especially against Federer, that was quite incredible. But what was funny to me was the after-game interview. So we just witnessed Rafa Nadal destroying Federer, being so dominant, being so confident. And then comes John McEnroe with his mic and he starts asking him a question and you could see that 
Rafa Nadal, I'm not saying that he cannot speak English, that's not what I'm saying, but let's be real, it's not his best language and he always have very prepared answers and that day, they were not really fitting. And you could see that he was a bit panicky, like, was it, okay, can you please stop harassing me with your questions? And it was funny to see that in an instant, he went back from that gladiator to that kind of shy, introverted, and almost scared guy who could not handle all those questions from John McEnroe. After a while, eventually McEnroe got it and he was like, okay, that he gave him a tap on the shoulder and was like, oh, okay, um, congrats, Rafa, thank you. And then he was just like, okay, I'll let you go. And to me, I always wonder, how can this guy who is very shy, who seems to really want to keep it to himself, how does he manage? How did he create that persona? How did he um, unlock that guy who is like such a fearless uh, fighter? I mean, literally, when you watch Rafa, you feel like if people were asking him to play with bare hands, he will do it and he will be able to actually win Grand Slams. Well, the answer is simple. It's Tony Nadal. Tony Nadal's work is... The reason why Rafa is such a great fi fighter, he literally is the person who created Rafa's alter ego. Let me explain. First of all, it's his uncle, so he knows who he is. They have that special relationship. And very early on, Tony Nadal understood that in order to create a champion, in order to help him to reach his full potential, he will have to create another version of Rafa, who's more like of a shy and introverted, will keep it to himself, that he will have to really create a beast. And how did he do that? Well, although I never heard Tony Nadal said that, okay, he created an alter ego, but when you listen to him, when you watch interviews, you understand that he really created a version of Rafa that transcended his identity. So he did it like around several values that I will explain right now. First of all, humility. Humility is something that when you watch Rafa, when you listen to him, it's uh it's the, one of the most obvious quality that he has. You never see him like being cocky or underestimate an opponent. Every year at the French Open, when he actually started the first round, he's the ultra favorite, but you always hear him saying that it's going to be a very tough match. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry, I can't help, but I love to imitate Rafa, but that's because I love the guy, so I feel like I, I can do that. And he always said that it's going to be a very tough match, that if he doesn't play his best he will lose. I mean, come on, we're talking about Rafael Nadal at the French Open. If there is one player that we can bet our money on every single year, it's him at the French Open. But yet, he's still coming to the tournament being super humble. And there is many stories of how Tony Nadal taught him humility one of the ones that I've said before is when he won national championship at 12 years old and then his family organized a party and Tony got pissed and then came back with the list of all the players who won the same tournament 
but we never made it on tour. But it went further. When Rafa won his first French Open in 2005, Tony Nadal wrote him a letter in which he detailed every single thing that he messed up during the tournament. And then he wrote another list of other Spanish players who won only one Grand Slam and didn't do much more after that. And he said, if you want to not to do more, if you don't want to be like them, we will need to do something else. We will, you will need to do more. I mean, you will think that a guy would just win a Grand Slam at like 19, 18, 18, 19 years old, would kind of be celebrated by his coach. But no, he was like, look, you need to do better. So that to me was very, um, very impressive. Some people will say that uh, Tony Nadal was too harsh on, on his uh, nephew. But when you, when you listen to, to them, they seem to have a great relationship. So I think like everyone is entitled to his opinion, but it proved to be right. Second value is really a no excuse mentality. No matter what happens, you get a you get a play and try to find a way to win. And again, this is something that we see in uh, Rafa Nadal's persona. Whenever he plays, even when he's injured, when you can really see that he's like physically injured and he loses a match at the press conference, you will never hear him saying I lost because I was injured. Although sometimes it's very obvious. I mean, let's go back to 2014 when Stanislav Wawrinka won his first Australian Open, first Grand Slam. Something that I thought was very class, classy from Rafa is that we could see that at some point in the match, he was injured. And he didn't withdraw because he said that, okay, that was his first Grand Slam and I didn't want him to kind of win that way. I mean... We've seen players, and I'm not going to give names, but who were in the exact same position and withdrew during a final because they were just like, oh, I'm not going to lose to that person. I'm not going to give names, but just look at the uh, <coughs> women's final of Australian Open in 2006. Anyway, that being said, let's move on. Because to another story of uh, Rafa showing that he has very this no excuse mentality. When Rafa was uh, young, he played a tournament and he started the game. And I think that Tony was somewhere else watching another another kid. And when he came back, it was Rafa was losing 5-0. And then he realized that his nephew had his racket broken. So he told him and then he lost eventually the match. After the game, he told him, didn't you notice that you were playing with a broken racket? And Rafa said, well, I'm so used to thinking that uh, it's always my fault that I didn't even think that the problem could come from a racket. And this is like kind of a funny, amusing story. But when you think about that, it tells you, it shows you how this guy at the early age was already mentally prepared to take responsibility uh, about everything. And this is something that I've talked to, that I talked about in previous episode when I said that it is so important for players to take responsibility 
of their own project on Leon to be really the engine of their professional career and to not trying to look for excuses and to point fingers and saying that they are they lost because of uh, the dad, because of mom, because of coach to really take ownership of what they are doing on the tennis court. So that was the second value. The third value that helped building uh, Rafa's alter ego is brutal honesty. When you listen to Tony's Nadal, Tony Nadal's interview, you often hear him said how he, he told Rafa from early age that some players were better than him. Because for, for instance, like he told him how several times how Federer was doing everything better than him. And, and uh, then he explained that it was not to break him, but it was a way for him to say, okay, well, this is the truth. This is where we are. It doesn't mean that you cannot win, but let's be honest. This guy can do everything better than you. And he, he used that like in several occasions. And that was a way to tell him that, okay, if you work hard, now that we know the facts, I'm not here to tell you that everything is great. I'm here to tell you how things are in a very, very real way, because I understand that in order for you to be number one in the world, in order for you to achieve great success at such a high level, you have to face the truth. You have to be immune to, you know, feelings and feeling like, oh, okay, I'm going to lie to myself. Like a lot of times you, you see coaches who are afraid to lose their jobs and they are just saying things to keep players happy, but it's not helping down the road because at the end of the day, truth always you know, comes back and it always, and it hits you. So if you're not pre if you're not prepared to face those truths, then it can be very hurtful. So very early on, he was telling him things how they were, and it was a way for him to teach him how to deal with them. Last but not least, he shaped Rafa's resilience to really endure pain. When you watch Rafael Nadal, what is striking is his ability, his relentless way of fighting until the end. I mean, the guy can be there for hours. It doesn't matter what the score is. It, he will fight until the end. Whether he's like 6-0, 5-0 down or... I don't know, six, five in the fifth, you will see the same attitude is never, he never, uh, that's why I actually really like him is because he's never down. He might get frustrated, but then next point, he goes back and he's ready to fight. And that's a huge strength that he has. And Tony Nadal was explaining that when he was younger, he said that he wanted him to be able to have this mental endurance. So what he would do is that often while they were practicing, he would extend the length of the um, practice from 30 minutes, an hour, an hour and a half without telling him because what he wanted to do was for him to be able to keep going. 
And I thought it was actually such a good idea because when, when you start a match, actually, you never know when it's going to end. You know when it starts, but you don't know when it ends. And having this, um, being, um, being used to not knowing when the end of the practice comes actually prepares you to be able to to keep playing and not having feeling like oh when is the match gonna finish because when you play it's true actually i thought about that it's okay when it's true when you go to practice you know it's gonna be like for two hours so mentally you prepare yourself and you cannot give this effort if you don't know when it's going to finish then you're just gonna keep going and i actually i remembered it made me it reminded me that when I was playing in, in university in the US, actually, our coach tended to do that. We would just play and he would not tell us. We kind of had an idea, but he, could ne- he was never really telling us when the practice would finish. And we would keep going. And I remember that that season when he was doing that is actually the season I played the best because mentally I was just there all the time. And I knew that, okay, until he says... Bringing in guys and good job for today or, you know, go get, pick up the balls and go home. I had to, to give my best and hundred percent. So that was really good. All right. So now that being said, how do you build your sport alter ego? I believe that it is, um, such an important, um, thing that you have a good relationship with your coach and uh, what I mean by good relationship is being able to install a dialogue, a dialogue, an open dialogue. So you can have those moments when you can sit down and say, okay, look, we're going to try something and we're going to build a sport alter ego. And the reason why I think it's important to create one, especially for players who are not natural who naturally are not so aggressive who naturally are more introverted or who have difficulty to channel that energy i think that creating a sport alter ego is is a good way to separate who you are to your performer persona and i've talked about that like how it's important to develop like your performing self and your identity self but more than that, like the alter ego is really what is going to help you to go get the resources that you need in order to, to get to your goals. How do you do that? I was reading a very good article from a blog called Simply Faster, and that's how they were explaining how to do it. So basically, once you have established what you want to achieve, then you, you have to really be clear about your why. Why do you want to achieve that? Why is that an important goal? And you have to kind of go beyond the goal. What I mean by that is that I want to achieve that. I want to be a professional because, uh, let's say, I come from a very um, not so privileged background and I've seen my parents, um, you know, very sacrifice themselves a lot and I really want to be able to provide for them that can be I mean whatever reason that you think is really important to you very meaningful this is your why 
Okay, once you have established your why, then you go back to what do I need to to realize that, to accomplish that goal, to get to my why. What are the characteristic characteristics? What are the the values that I need to I need to implement in order to get to that goal? And um, that's usually when you you start to look around other people who inspire you. Can be anyone. Can be athletes. Can be uh, actors. Can be people around you. And once you have that and you understand the qualities that they are putting in place in order to be successful can be really uh, aggressiveness, can be poise, can be uh, confidence, can be anything, any of those qualities, and then you start to emulate them. And the reason why I'm saying that is because we know that athletes tend to tie who they are as an athlete as who they are as a human being. Their, their identity is so... Um, what they achieve on the on the field often gives them a sense of uh, self-worth or not. So when they retire, we often see athletes who are completely lost because they don't know who they are outside the field. This is why when you create a sport alter ego, you really make that distinction and you are able to go back to who you are and to let it go once your career is over. This is why I'm really insisting on that. Um, and then again, when I was preparing that episode, I, I came across an interview of a guy called Todd Ehrmans and he wrote a book that is, um, called the alter ego effect, the power of secret identities to transform your life. And I thought that was very interesting because like I said, from uh, the beginning, when I think about Rafa, I I think about the um, I think about the the um, uh, sorry yes the comparison with Superman and Clark Kent because in on one hand you have Superman this super confident guy who is invincible who saves the world who does everything and then you have Clark Kent his alter ego this kind of introverted journalist uh, kind of shy. I mean, not uh, the most charismatic guy, and and that's why I decided to model this episode on that um, metaphor because I think that you can be both. You can be that more shy and introverted person, and you can also create the persona in order to reach your uh, your goals. And uh, what I was saying is that when I was watching this uh, Todd Ehrman's interview. He talked about something that was very interesting about a study that was done in a university with some um, young young kids. So what did what they did is that they put kids in a room and they gave them an unsolvable puzzle, and they studied how long the kids were sticking to that task. And after a while, you could see that they were frustrated and they would just give up. Then they brought the same kid in another room. What they did is that they brought costumes of superheroes and they told them to, to put on the costume of their favorite superhero and they gave them another unsolvable puzzle. And the results were very telling. What happened is that when the kids had the costumes on, 
they were saying that the way they were talking to themselves dramatically improved, that the self-talk was much more positive, that they were saying things like, okay, Batman will not give up, he will not let this uh, uh, unsolve and he will try, or Dora the Explorer, she will always find a way to solve things. And because they had on the costume, they felt they naturally um, emulated the behaviors of those superheroes. And to be honest, it's interesting that we we've seen that over and over. I mean, we were playing when we were playing kid when we were kids, and we say, "Hey, let's play uh, whatever like Batman, Spider Man, or Wonder Woman." We are actually feeling more confident, and it's and uh, what we, he was saying is that it's interesting that as adults or even like younger adults, we tend to forget about the power of imagination. And then he gave another very interesting story. He was speaking about Bo Johnson, the football and baseball legend, and he said that when Bo Johnson was young, he had uh, temper issues that he used to get in trouble because he was getting angry, and he was finding he was looking for ways to stop getting into trouble and to be more calm and uh, collected. And one, once he was watching a movie. And he said that he saw the main character and the way he was so calm, collected, poised, methodic about what he had to do. He said, wow, this guy is amazing and I'm going to learn that this is what I need to emulate on the pitch. Well, that character was Jason from Friday the 13th. So that's kind of funny. You will think that, okay, uh, so basically you're telling us that he emulated the behavior of a serial killer. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm not telling you that you should uh, emulate behavior of um, Charles Manson or, you know, whatever psychopath is out there. That's not what I'm saying. What was interesting is that he saw in that character the way that he was calm collected, methodic, and emotionless, and just focusing on achieving his goal, which are great tools and great assets to have as an athlete. Wherever you get your inspiration is not for me to judge, but if it's helping you to to achieve, and as long as it's still, as, um, as long as it's legal, well, go for it. And that was interesting. And we've seen a lot of uh, athletes who actually had alter ego, alter egos. I mean, Kobe Bryant was probably one of the most famous, you know, with the black member. It was not just a marketing tool. Sometimes people think that, oh, it's just like a way to just market. But it really, um, it really is a real thing. Uh, I will name also Beyonce and Sasha Fierce. I mean, Beyonce is more... I wouldn't, I wouldn't say introverted, but more like shy and Sasha Fierce is more liberated, let's say. And uh, there was another player, tennis player, that I think also had an alter ego. And uh, it's Mar- Maria Sharapova. I, I used to call Mar- Maria Sharapova when she was on tour Kill Bill. Why? Because she reminded me a lot of Beatrice Kiddel, you know, the character in... Uh, of played by Yuma Thurman in um, in Tarantino's movie, because when she was coming 
in that uh, on the court you could see like a face changing you could see how she was becoming like like this really like a, like a killer in her eyes you could see that okay she was going to come and she was coming to war i don't know maria sharapova personally but outside the court she seems more relaxed and more uh, i don't want to say goofy but more let's say not it's not the same person so i i think that we all tend to have a persona i remember when i was playing i, I like to joke around i mean i mean i'm a big joker but when i was going on the court i was literally like saying okay now it's war and i was uh just ready to fight and then once i was done i was back to joker around and to just uh, be calm and collected so i think that we all have we tend to to turn in an, in a more i don't know hard persona of who we are when we are on the when we are on the court and what's interesting is that i was uh when i was preparing this episode i went into a youtube channel called called positive performance and what it was saying is that you could also use the animal metaphor to create your alter ego a good example of that is Zlatan Ibrahimovic. The guy calls himself a lion, and it's not just like to to be, you know, outrageous. Although he is, but we love Zlatan, don't we? And it's a way to kind of really again transcend his identity and to create that persona. And a lot of people say that, oh yeah, but he's very arrogant when he speaks. But then when you when you listen to other players. And they say that okay, well there is uh, Zlatan on the on the football on the football field, and then there is Zlatan outside, and it's a complete different person, and he's way more, you know, laid back and and and, uh, and calm. So that's again an example of an alter ego. And when you look at Rafa, I mean, his nickname is is not like the bull of Manacor. I don't know how you say in English, but I think like in, in French it's really like call him like the bull, and I mean, his, uh, his logo is a bull. So anyway, and he has that kind of when you when you watch him before a match, you you literally see him transform. You know, he has this ritual when he's at the toss, and then when he when he sprints to the to the baseline, it really looks like a bull when you're watching a corrida and how they are how they are thrown in the arena and then they start to like just ready to ready to fight for their life and they there is really this uh, this um this way of behaving from rafa and you you see like and and in order to get there you see a lot of rituals he uses rituals and a couple of days ago he was speaking about how his rituals and we've talked about Rafa's ritual for, uh, you know, for why now. And he explained that this is not superstition because he said that whether he wins or loses, he does the same thing. And he explained that he uses rituals in order to calm himself, in order to stay focused. And if I want, I want to go a bit further. I think for me, it's a way to stay in character, to get into character. I mean, when you analyze his rituals, first he takes a very cold shower. 
it wakes up the body. It changes you, the physiology of your body. I mean, have you tried to take a cold shower? I mean, I, I can't do it even in like summer when it's 40 degrees, but when you do it or when you get into the shower and it's very cold, usually it wakes you up and it changes the, your physiology right away. And then you see him, he, he start to, he puts his, um, how do you say, his, uh, oh, shit, uh, his um, band on. And then he start and then he jumps before getting onto the court. And then he jumps during the toss and he sprints. I mean, there's all this thing that puts him into character, the bottles, the, you know, uh, tucking his, his, uh, his shorts out. Everything is a way for him to stay in character, to stay in that gladiator persona. It's not just for the show. It's like a way to stay into character. So I think that if you are not naturally aggressive, if you really want to channel that, if you really want to get to that extra version of yourself, the version that is going to help you to really be competitive, you might also want to start thinking about rituals. What can you do before the match to get you into a mindset, to get you into a position in which when you step on the court, when you play the first point, you are ready to fight. You are ready to go. Everyone has different rituals. A lot of people, they like to listen to music, uh, a bit music, music. And the way they use, they listen to this type of music is because it puts you in a mood. It kind of uh, hype you. It hype you up. I know that when I was playing, I like to listen to a bit music. I mean, I I grew up in the '90s, so I grew up, you know, watching the the Rocky movies and all those kind of stuff, sports movies. So for sure, there was a time when there was a point before my match where uh, Survivors I Have a Tiger will uh, come into play, but uh, but. Uh, more importantly, it was I, I like to put myself to to really be by myself on the, um, in the locker to do my grip, to start to really channel myself. And I was putting myself in a state in which when I was going, I was ready to war. And I really encourage you with your team to think about ways to put you into that state because it's not just for show. It's not just uh, for you know, to, to be superstitious, it has to help you to put yourself into a mindset that, um, that, yeah, that, uh, that helps you to, to get where you, where you want to go. So these are, these are way to, because we have to remember one thing, like, uh, like he said himself, Rafael Nadal is kind of an anxious guy and, he wants to to be sure that nothing will um, prevent him to stay focused on the game, and uh, and that's why he he does all those things because he wants to portray this image of being invincible. And it's interesting again that because when we watch Rafa, is is very like this this fighter that you seems that okay you cannot do anything against them and again it's really like superman and like superman they have their weaknesses and i think it's so interesting that's why to me they are very like uh, connected because rafa although he's this very amazing fighter like he has one weaknesses 
and his weaknesses is his strength which is so interesting i mean he's a force of nature when you watch him you see his body is so strong but at the same time this is this body who also that also um gave him his biggest challenge in his um in his career he was uh, a lot of time injured and so it, it's kind of his kryptonite you know superman has a kryptonite and uh and Rafa's kryptonite is his body. And it's, what is interesting is that when he first stormed into the scene of tennis, people were not such a big fan of his because he seemed invincible. And when you, when you look, people starting to like him more when he started to get injured and to come back because all of a sudden he became human. He was not just this guy that was winning all the time, that was relentless, and people don't like that. They want to feel a sense of connection. And that's why people like Superman, because, okay, although he's invincible, he still has a way. And I believe this is why at the moment people are a bit uh, against uh, Djokovic, because he seems to be invincible. It seems that nothing can stop him, that it doesn't matter what you do, he's a wall, and he will always win at the end. And I think that... Um, when he starts having, or maybe something else, I don't know, but I think like when there is a sense of invincibility, people are just like, oh, this is boring. We don't like this person because we cannot connect and we cannot relate. I mean, this was just a, a side note, but I thought it would be interesting to share. Uh, then building an alter ego is something that is really important. However, you need to also be able to break character. And again, in that uh, very good blog, Simply Faster, uh, I was reading and they were explaining why it is important that you understand that your sport alter ego is a performance st state, but it should not, it should never be per a permanent st state. Why? Because it's great to be aggressive on the court. It's great to show that attitude of dominance and to be able to emulate strength and power but in real life you don't want to be aggressive you don't want to be ultra dominant that you you start to become a bully and it was interesting to to raise awareness around this because a lot of time you you see that uh, it's hard for athletes to actually break characters. And what they were explaining in that very good article is that once you are locked, uh, you are blocked into that persona, you, you will eventually get into a burnout because the intensity is very high. The intensity of being very intense to yeah to intensity of being intense okay i could have used a better phrase but this way of being constantly intense to want to thrive might be draining for those around you and this is why they were saying that building your sport alter ego is great but it's good if you can do it with someone else because then they will be able to also know how to help you to break character. And this is why I was saying earlier that having a good relationship with your coach to be able to build that this dialogue is quite helpful because they will understand 
what is the 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 words that they need to they need to use in order to get you into the mindset but that they will also know the words that they need that they need to use in order to get you out how, and how do you do that well you do that by actually analyzing the performance so the way you do it is that once you are done with your match with your game you are coming from being into that sport alter ego and then you analyze with your crew or if you're by yourself you start to be more in an analyzing mode which helps you to bring down the intensity and to step back into your natural character when you are in a more analysis mode you will understand okay did i do what i wanted to do did i achieve my goal of my why why did i play why do i want to play did i manage to do that so you're not again in that action mode you're more in analyzing mode that bring down that brings down the intensity and then you also do something that really helps you to move forward is that you say okay this is what i've did this is what I, i've done what do i need what needs to be done next by projecting yourself into the future it's a great way to get out of your sports persona and remember that story that i said uh when i was talking about uh, tony nadal telling his nephew that this is what you did wrong when you won the french open and this is what you need to do in order to do better again that's a way to break down the sport alter ego and to go back to normal and to move on and to be able to do that and another way to do it is to engage in an activity that really helps you to come down and to step out of the game rafa nadal comes from an island and he said many times that he has a huge love for the sea and for him his way to completely break down to to break character and to just go back to being rafael nadal the island guy is to go fishing or to just uh, go on his yacht and to to sail with his friends and family and he said that recently they were interviewing him for with i think it was forbes magazine and he said that when i'm going to retire i mean I'm, my plan is to use my yacht and and to and to sail all over the world and to discover new culture with my friends and family I, and because i have a love for the sea and when i come to when i go to the sea it really helps me to calm down and to break character and to it gives me peace and i, I mean literally i can see him you know like i can see the guy retired going to his academy maybe play for a while and then just like put on like put on some flip flops and say hey guys you know i'm going fishing see you I don't know. See whatever. And uh I think this is something that okay, we don't all have a yacht, uh but we can have we can engage in activities that really help us to to come down and to and to bring this um sport alter ego. All right. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I really wanted to do something special for the 10th episode and I thought that uh, profiling uh, Nadal's persona will be uh, a great way and I love this um, alter ego analogy because I really believe that 
um, you can achieve whatever you want and that there is there are different ways and it's not because you're an introvert and that uh, you you feel like it's hard for you to 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 be more aggressive that you uh, you don't have to basically uh, lose your identity you can you can create a new identity and it's not something that is crazy we've seen like throughout the episode that many athletes you that use that alter ego strategy in order to build a character that has all the qualities and the values that they need in order to um, to achieve their goals. So try it out. Try when when you are at practice to emulate uh, those behaviors that you want to to have on the court and see how it works. I mean, what do you have to lose? If you enjoyed that episode, don't hesitate to subscribe and to to leave comments. That's really helpful and that, that will really mean a lot to me if you could uh, help me to to promote that uh, that content. And until um, next time, have fun and enjoy yourself. Stay safe. Bye.